Hello, I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager, and welcome to the In Conversation With series, a series where I speak to notable figures in the realm of financial services. Listen as they share their personal journeys, thoughts on the industry, and advice for aspiring advisors. I'm Lois Valley, Chief Reporter for Money Marketing, and on this episode, I'm joined by Andy Kirby, who is CEO and co-founder of Money Alive. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Lovely to be involved. Um, so maybe you could start off just by introducing yourself, um, saying a bit about yourself, how you got into financial services and why you launched Money Alive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my background is, uh, for the last 25 years has been in financial services. I was an advisor up until just over a year ago when I gave up my license. Um, but I'm also co-founder of a business, Mint Wealth Management. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I fully understand uh, you know, what advisors do, what they're going through, and certainly with the changes actually coming up with consumer duty. Um, as you're also aware, I'm co-founder of uh, Advisor Home. Advisor Home uh, is a business development portal for financial advisors. We exist to help advisors run, develop, and market the business. And again, through that uh, that channel, get a good feedback of what's going on actually in the market. Uh, and then finally, five years ago now it is, uh, we set up uh, Money Alive. Um, and I suppose that the founding principle actually behind that, that that business and the vision actually behind that was to use a combination of technology and video to change the way that financial professionals engage and edu- educate their clients, but allow this to be done at scale. And actually, at the time, I was looking at uh, uh, some slides that we produced probably about six years ago now. Um, we had one slide that said, better information, better financial decisions, better outcomes. And I kind of feel that when we talk about consumer duty, and I know we'll touch on that later, especially around the consumer understanding element, that's what we were trying to do five or six years ago. So I do think perhaps we were ahead of the game actually with the FCA's thinking. I like to think that we are anyway. But, you know, that's kind of what we've been working on for the last five years. But my background is very much uh, embedded in, you know, financial services. But hopefully because of that, a good understanding of the challenges and opportunities that advisors and firms actually have. Yeah, definitely. So um, what do you see as some of the biggest uh, challenges and opportunities for financial advisors today then? Yeah, I mean, um, we we ran an event uh, just over a week ago, actually, at the Shard around consumer duties. But we we, we entitled it "Are People Are Firms Alive to the Opportunities?" So I do rather like to think more of the opportunities that uh, that come from the challenges. So I think firms, you know, the, the number one at the moment, I think, on everybody's uh, lips will be around consumer duties. So, so I'll put that into the regulation box, and obviously. That is one of the key things, actually, at the moment, consumer duties. But I do actually think that's an opportunity. Uh, what we're seeing is a lot of firms are having to relook at how they do things, having to relook at the systems, relook at the technology, relook at the processes, and actually seen as an opportunity to do things better off the back of consumer duties. So, you know, they're, they're taking it as a, a, an advantage point. So regulation is one of the key things I would say that's actually um, on everybody's minds actually at the moment. But the other thing that I'm actually seeing as well is that uh, I think, and I was discussing this, I can't remember who it was, whether uh, at the event, but if you look at what's going to happen over the next two or three years, I do generally think we're at that tipping point actually with technology. 
Mm. Um, and I know Ian McKenna spoke about this only probably last month. Um, we've talked about technology being fundamental with advice businesses and the last five, 10, 15 years, we've all been saying it's going to change things. And I do actually generally now think that the next two or three years will be a significant change, but a significant opportunity. And I think one of the key things that we're all familiar with actually at the moment it's on everybody's uh, minds is obviously the AI technology that's actually coming out and the chat GPT. So I think that's going to create a lot of opportunities for advisors and firms to do things differently. But I think we need to be where and we're still trying to work through how that will actually impact upon what we're doing is it going to actually provide some competition for us or is it just an opportunity for us to do things differently but i think because of technology we're going to have to look at the ways that we reach the you know the, the clients and prospects that we actually have and certainly it links into intergenerational planning doing things differently as well so technology is a big thing i think the other thing that i would say is finally around some of the things that are changing quite fast in the environment from a budgetary point of view. Um, we've obviously had last week the, the changes from the Chancellor, Chancellor with the spring budget, yeah. um, and that's come out quite fast. There was some changes expected, I don't think, to the same extent uh, that we, we saw last week. But I think the other side to that is providing challenges for advisors because obviously at the back end of it, we have Labour then saying, well, actually, if we get in, we're going to reverse some of these. So, you know, this whole environment, how can you actually help and support your clients with proper planning when we've got this uncertain environment can provide uh, uh, prove very challenging because you know we don't know ourselves but how can you help and support clients but out of all this there's opportunity to re-engage with all the clients and do things differently isn't there yeah i would think so um that's interesting that the um changes announced in the budget i just um because we had a um team uh podcast recording off just after the budget and we were discussing you know the politicization of well specifically pensions in this case and and mm. how it's I don't know, having it under government policy is so short term and it just seems that we need some sort of longer term certainty for people saving for their futures. It just doesn't seem right that, you know, governments can come in and just completely change things up, much as advisors were all, uh, well, mostly pro-lifetime allowance scrapping. Um, yeah. I think it's just, yeah, there's some something needs to come in that makes it a bit more stable, I think. But um no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, as I say, from an advisor's point of view, I think you know most people think that it's a good thing to actually do around that. I think it's more about how it was done and how fast it was actually done. But mm. Also, the the messaging around it from various different political parties around, well, hold on, we'll change this, we'll do this if we get in, etc., doesn't allow that stability for financial planning in the longer term. Um, you know, because you just know what's going to happen in two years. So you certainly don't know what's going to happen in four, eight uh, or longer term, do you? And when you're looking at longer term planning, when certainly you're 20 year old over 40, 45 years, you know, you've you've got to look at, you know, you've got to have some stability actually in the in the system, haven't you? Mm, yeah, I would have thought so. Um, even from a personal perspective, it's not very, it's quite unsettling. Not that I would ever probably reach a pension pot that... <laughs> warrants a lifetime allowance but um yeah. i think it's more the fact that you know i was going to say tinkering this wasn't really tinkering was it it was you know quite major but you know it's it's, it's the instability that it, that it creates isn't it you know it doesn't help with any longer term planning 
no, exactly. Definitely. That's um, probably you, more to do with the political system on that four-year cycle, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I know. We could spend the whole podcast talking <laughs> about that. Probably for outside of this podcast. Maybe it's that relevant. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be a very long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, you obviously mentioned consumer duty there as well, um, with the imp- implementation deadline coming up at the end of July. Um, you did touch on it, but how do you think advi- uh, financial advisors are responding to the approaching implementation deadline? Yes, yeah. Um, again, I spoke around this, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I think I would say it's varied. Um, I think um, what we're seeing, if you'd asked me that question, say, two months ago, um, I would say perhaps a lot of firms are still slow to progress, but we've definitely seen an acceleration over the last uh, five or six weeks. And I think a lot of that has come around. There's been obviously a lot of commentary, not only in the trades, but from the FCA around, look, you know, you do need to um, take this seriously. You do need to get your act actually into gear. I think as well, it depends on what type of firm that you actually speak to. So we speak to firms of all kinds of different sizes, from smaller firms through to the larger nationals to networks. And they tend to have the latter, tend to have, more resources from people, from money and time, et cetera, allocate actually through to this. So they're really actually on it with the right teams actually in place. They're still working through it themselves. Uh, obviously, there was a deadline at the end of last year around the implementation plans, and now we're moving from that implementation plans actually through to the doing. We've still got a lot of firms actually looking at different technology solutions out there and how they can actually help and support. But the other end of the extreme, we do st- see although a smaller number still thinking I don't need to do a great deal or it's not really something that I need to worry too much about. Mm. Um, so, you know, it does depend who you actually speak to, but I definitely think that the, um, the, the trend is more people are actually getting their heads around this and are certainly moving more to the implementation stage. The other thing that we're also seeing is that firms are actually using it as opportunity they have to do something, obviously, but they're actually looking at it as an opportunity to re-look at their own, their own processes, their own technology, and use it as an advantage to do things differently and actually get some good outcomes from the business from a process efficiency point of view as well. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. It makes sense. Um, again, you've obviously touched on it a lot um, already, but um, evolution of technology is a big talking point for advisors, I know. Um, and not just advisors. I mean, it's big for every sector, I think. Um, and you mentioned chat GPT there, which I which I have tried. And it's it's I think the novelty will wear off quickly, but it was it's pretty fun to to use. It yeah, I mean, it's. I think, you know, people are still looking at, you know, how it will actually impact or if it will impact upon the business. There was a report out, I think, two weeks ago, actually, was saying that the, the biggest impact from a job perspective was one was teachers and financial uh, financial planners were actually quoted, actually, in there. Um, I think we're still working through how it will actually have an impact. And I think it's like everything with technology is it will definitely have an impact, but actually it will create opportunities actually around it. We do use it ourselves, actually, within Money Live. And what we found is, for example, we do a lot of writing, a lot of blogging, a lot of mm. scripting um, and it's allowed us to actually do that more efficiently because we can go into chat gpt and actually we can ask it questions we can ask it to relook at a script uh, what was really interesting the other day aaron who's our chief product officer we were doing a script and something it was very very formal and we actually re 
asked it, said, can you do it in more of a Boris Johnson style? <laughs> so <laughs> you put that in, you get a completely different outcome, but you get, you know, so the point being that that technology probably allows us to deliver a, a blog, for example, in half the time than what it used to. So we're using it as a starting point, but obviously from our point of view, you do need to have a, an overview, an understanding of the subject, because, you know, there's lots of things in there that you perhaps wouldn't uh, put in. You, so you do need to have some understanding, actually, of the subject. But that will change, won't it? And I know there's already a new version actually launched as well, which is supposedly is 10 times faster than the one that uh, we've all been using. I think yeah. it's more of a, uh, you know, understanding how it can support your business at this stage, but undoubtedly it will, um, will change the way that we do business. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've had quite a lot of conversations with people and, um, you know, some of them are saying, oh, I'm quite threatened by it because, you know, it could do quite a large portion of my job. But on the other hand, um, someone else I was speaking to the other day said the conversation has sort of moved on from what the threat of AI might be to how it can actually help improve your business. So I think there are positives to be taken, definitely. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think if you look at the way that people engage, um, and one of the things that we obviously we do within Money Live is around the understanding, consumer understanding, and you know we can we we use Chat GPT and some of the stuff that we do have already mentioned. We use we've got another product actually, Video Canvas, which is. Uh, where we can deliver personalized video experiences actually through to people. We use um, AI presenters actually within there. So I think that the message that we're, we're, we're certainly taking on board is actually using it as an advantage within your business to do things differently rather than seeing it as a threat. Um, but what I do think is ultimately the way that people engage with their financial advice firms will will change. You know, Ultimately, if you can actually use the um, technology to deliver things differently, um, that's great. And people may need to get information in a different way. But ultimately, there's also, you know, that trust element. And when people are looking at using uh, or, or have a need for more complex planning, or more complex investing, then I think that handholding, have the advisor actually on hand, um, that will never be taken away. So I just think the way we use technology will just change. But I don't yeah. think, you know, that we have to see it as a universal threat at all. No, definitely. It's um, well, I was writing a feature a while ago about the client of the future um, and the fact that, you know, the next generation of clients are going to want advice in quite a different way from perhaps previous generations. Um, and the fact that financial advisors are going to have to or it's going to probably be the next generation of financial advisors that deliver that advice. So looking at how you deliver advice like not just, you know, face always face to face, but you a client might just want a quick report over WhatsApp or something. I don't know. That's a very random example. But um, Yeah. I I think what I would view it as is an opportunity to relook really at your proposition, isn't it? So rather than just thinking, well, I'm delivering advice on a face to face basis, what is your proposition? Um so actually if you're looking at the younger generation of your existing clients and looking at intergenerational planning, those ultimately hopefully will become clients of yours actually in the future. But the way that you engage with them now might be differently so when they do inherit or they do have further money or want uh, you know more complex advice you're still at the forefront of uh, you know their mind so they will come to you so that means that you're going to have to engage with them now differently for so over the next 10 15 20 years or whenever it's appropriate they're actually still thinking of you actually as a business so that's got to be a good thing hasn't it if you can deliver that differently um then they'll see your firm as you know really progressive and really helpful and supportive and 
then come to you when they need that advice. So I think the days, you know, of the next two or three years and longer of, you know, going to an advisor and having one proposition, you know, that will ultimately change. We've got to deliver our proposition um, potentially further down that chain if you want to make sure that you capture the the younger generations, intergenerational planning actually of the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did just, I, I we've probably already touched on it a bit, but um, I did just want to ask you, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the industry since you joined? Oh, uh, since I joined, gosh, 25 years ago, was it probably longer, actually, <laughs> you know, time flies. What are the biggest changes? I mean, I think one of the things that we, we, we touched on um, is, is technology. Um, I think mm. the biggest change that we're actually seeing or I've seen is the move of technology from when I first started. And obviously, technology has had a great play actually in that, but I've, I've seen it more from a back office point of view has made a difference. I mean, when I first started uh, in the industry, everything was still very much, a lot of it was still paper-based, but technology wasn't used to a great extent. Um, and then we saw technology coming in more from the back office point of view, the platforms, et cetera. And I think now what we're seeing is technology is shifting more to the front end. Um, so the answer mm. to my question there is technology, but now technology is shifting more to the front end and the way that people engage at the front end rather than the back end. So it was more about efficiencies and process efficiencies uh, previously. And I think that's what's going to change going forward. Yeah, no, definitely. Interesting. Um, and finally, I did just want to ask you what one piece of advice would you give to someone looking to start a career in financial advice or in the profession in any um, capacity? Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I would say with this industry is that, you know, I think it's a fantastic industry to actually get into. Um, if you look at the number of advisors actually uh, in the UK compared to what certainly 15, 20 years ago. I mean, at one point, I think, I mean, you'll, you'll probably correct me if I'm wrong here, but something like 200,000 people are giving financial advice, wasn't there? And, you know, depending on the figures that you actually look at the moment, you know, somewhere between 25 and 40,000 of the figures, depending if you include just mortgage and protection advisors. So there's a great opportunity. I think it's a great business, actually, um, and certainly great career to actually get into. Um, I think what I would actually look at and I'd like to see um, is how we get more people actually into the industry. And I think we need to just make it more attractive for people to come in. There's a lot of uh, firms now are actually starting to deliver, you know, these training programs. And I, I absolutely think that they're really interesting. Um, and really getting people actually into the industry from a different way. Whereas when we started, it was a lot of it was through large sales force, through banks, for example, through insurance companies that don't necessarily exist actually at the moment. Mm. I think what we also need to do is try and get more people involved early on, more apprenticeship schemes actually actually uh, out there. I think from us, you know, looking at, you know, your career progressions, I think it's absolutely fantastic industry to actually get into. And I think we just need to, you know, for, for those younger generations, show how we can actually use technology and deliver that actually through and in, in more interesting ways and show that we're dynamic and actually, you know, we're, we're looking towards the future and these things. And that could involve looking at the AI and how could, that could actually have an impact. Mm, yeah, no, I find AI really interesting personally. Um, and technology generally. 
Yeah, and I also think when you, I mean, I was uh, talking to as my my daughter, she's she's seventeen, and she's looking at what she wants to do, and they're very much you know interested in the environment and social responsibility and those type of things. So we need to bring that more to the forefront, actually thinking to the planning, and that is changing. Of course, it is, but I think that is something that's really interesting actually to that younger generation as well. So if you can combine that more with the technology, actually with the career path and how we get more people actually in, for example through apprenticeship schemes i think there's a you know a great path to actually be going down yeah no definitely totally agree great um i think that's probably all we've got time for for this episode but um thank you so much for joining me andy i really enjoyed talking to you it's been really interesting no thank you for your time as well it's always good to have a chat actually with you <laughs> great thank you very much thank you Thank you for listening to In Conversation With. We do hope that you enjoyed it. Please do keep up to date with all our new releases via Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts from. You can also keep up to date with all our new content published on the Money Marketing website, as well as our print edition, Money Marketing Magazine. So make sure to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. See you next time.